Connecting life and faith. This is Connections. I literally saw the crisis we're facing, at least in the north of, at least in the United States, I suspect in Canada too, where we're losing the next generations of our kids to faith. 174 million Americans under the age of 40 have separated out the the eighth largest country in the world. 152 million of them don't know Jesus as their savior. One out of five American high school kids has never been to church in their life. 15 million claim to be atheists. So at that point, I said, we've got a crisis, and we've got to address that crisis. And it was during that time that God gave me the answer to the crisis, the good news. And that good news is a new ministry that Dr. Robert Peterson has started. It's called The Legacy Imperative, Grandparents Forging the Future Through This New Ministry. He provides grandparents with tools and counsel that they need to reach their millennial and Gen Z grandchildren. Today in Connections, he's going to share a little bit about himself, why he decided to start up this ministry, and the importance of reaching the young people in today's world. We're joined today by Dr. Robert Peterson. He is the founder of the Legacy Imperative, which is a non-denominational Christian ministry devoted to inspiring and mobilizing grandparents, parents, and other advocates for millennials and Generation Z to evangelize and disciple their loved ones who are far from the Christian faith. Let's start right there. The Legacy Imperative. This is a ministry for grandparents. Why did you decide to create this? And tell us a little bit about the Legacy Imperative. Well, when I when I I, I was after I was the president of, of Master Media International, the world's largest ministry of film and television executives, I came to Florida, and um, I was the pastor of a of a, a moderately sized church in in um, Naples, Florida. Naples, Florida is you know a, a huge retirement area, huge uh, visitor area. And um, I had a church full of mostly older people. I thought I had died and ended up on the um, set of um, of Grumpy Old Men. And, um, <laughs> and it was during that time that I was struggling that God said to me, you're sitting on a, um, a treasure chest of people who are in the fourth quarter of their life. They've, they've learned the lessons of life in the first three quarters of the game of life. They have time, energy, and um maybe not as much energy, but they have time and resources and um, wisdom on their side. So, so I've given you a treasure chest. So we grew a church from about 190 people to about 2000 people. And, uh, and by saying to these older folks, it's not time to retire. It's time to refire. Uh, It's Mm. time to use the best part of your life. You are going to die. Some of you may even be in sudden death over time. You are going (laughs) to die and uh, you will face a judgment. And when God calls you to account, what quarter of your life do you think he'll call you most account to? It's to whom much has been given, much required. And so we developed a church with about three and a half million dollar a year mission budget and um, a lot of involvement, brought in a lot of young people, changed everything. And um, so when I re- taught, I turned it over to a young man. I thought I was kind of retiring, but I was going to write books, wrote a couple of best selling books. Then I went away to write a book on uh, to Boston to write a book on how to write the five generational family uh, story for your family and um, realizing our young people have a real identity crisis right now and understanding who they were would be helpful. But when I was there snowed in for two weeks, I had a come to the mountain experience where where I literally uh, uh, saw 
the crisis we're facing, at least in the North, at least in the United States, I suspect in Canada too, where we're losing the next generations of our kids to faith. 174 million American under the age of 40 have separated out the largest, eighth largest country in the world. 152 million of them don't know Jesus as their savior. One out of five American high school kids has never been to church in their life. 15 million claim to be atheist. Uh, statistically, uh, the evangelical churches, at least in the United States, uh, 60% are, of the attenders are over the age of 50, and only 11% are under the age of 30. So it was at that point, I saw we've got a crisis, and we've got to address that crisis. And it was during that time that God gave me the answer to the crisis, the good news. And what is that good news? <laughs> well, the good news is that uh, surveys showed that uh, almost 80% of these young people, when they were asked, who are your favorite people in the world? They said their grandparents. Uh-huh. Uh, LA or uh, uh, Anaheim tra- Travel, uh, Disney World people in, in Anaheim, California, did a nationwide survey and they asked millennials, uh, those between the ages of 27 and 40, if you were to go on vacation, would you rather go with your peers, your parents, or your grandparents? And wildly, 74% said, we would rather go with our grandparents. Why would kids or young adults want to go with their decidedly uncool grandparents on vacation? (laughs) Well, partly because they pay for it. Uh, But also, (laughs) uh, you you know, your peers call you to be, you don't want you to be correct. And that's a lot of, uh, I mean, I'm cool. And that's a lot of pressure. Your, your parents want you to be correct. And they look over your shoulder. That's a lot of pressure, but your grandparents love you. You know, uh, your parents are your coaches. No, no coach in any sport team ever exuded unconditional love. You drop the football, you know, you, you fumble the ball at the goal line. You're not going to go to the sideline, have a coach pat you on the back and say, I love you anyway. You know, but the cheerleaders do, and grandparents are cheerleaders. So we thought if we could mobilize the 29 million evangelical grandparents in America, and I bet you have a lot of them in Canada too, because that's where most Christians are today, are in the grandparent age. If we could mobilize 10 million of them, train them, equip them, call them to battle for their kids' lives, their grandkids' lives, and and, and, and leverage that love that their grandkids have for them, that we could change the next generations uh, are, and so that was our strategy what's grandparents responses when you tell them like look you have influence over your grandchildren's lives not only do they like you but you can influence their lives for the better like is that hard to convince grandparents not really uh you know particularly and the younger your grandkids are the better and we tell people you got to start when they're you, know, you really need to start when they're young because because when you they're you know when you're young when they're young you're a geriatric rock star. I mean my grandkids <laughs> love me. My my four year old granddaughter uh, last uh, Christmas grabbed my hand and she said, "Papa, you and I are soulmates." Uh, when we were in the pool in our backyard in Florida last summer, and I had been a water toy for a whole day, uh, my my little one gripped, threw her arms around my neck, and she said, I know why you're called a grandfather, Papa. And I said, why, sweetheart? She said, because you're a grand person. 
And um, so I think most grandparents innately know that their grandparents love them, their grandchildren, younger the better. Uh, So that's not a hard convince. I think the hard convince is that I don't know how it is in Canada, but in the United States, we have such a polarized deal politically and socially that a lot of grandparents are more worried about their grandkids, particularly older grandkids, uh, becoming either uh, communist or socialist than they are whether or not they're going to spend eternity lost. And, and so that's that's the thing that we're we're, uh, we're we're trying to convince grandparents it doesn't matter where they are socially and politically. It does matter whether they spend eternity so with what, Christ or in a lost eternity. So what tools are you giving to these grandparents to work alongside their grandchildren? We have a three threefold strategy. The first, because we believe this is a war for the for the hearts and the souls of our grandkids. We're losing them. To, to, to the faith of, that was passed on to us. And so our tools are number one, we have summits, films, we have some of the greatest films ever. Uh, and um, uh, to, to let grandparents know there's a problem. We go into churches uh, uh, all over the United States, love to be in Canada with some of these, um, with our summits, they're, 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 they're Friday night, Saturday morning summits, 10 talks full of multimedia, uh, 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 it's they're very exciting, very fun. And that what we want to say to them is there's a war going on. You need to get involved. That's a recruitment phase. Then those who, who then say, uh, well, we want to go farther. We want to be involved in the battle for our kids. Uh, then we have follow-up small group training group. We call uh, mission training groups. You call people to, to be in the war. They got to go through basic training. We have eight things that we think are really critical, how to listen to your kids, how to ask questions, how to tell your story, how to tell God's story, how to deal with the hot button issues that divide the generations, a lot of practical stuff uh, that we share with them in the mission training group. And then those, we get about 40% of the people who go to the the summits end up on in these mission training groups. And then the third phase, now that you've had your basic training, we're going to put you in a company. It's like you do in the military of people who have your back, who who fight the battle with you. And so in those groups, they have Bible studies every week that we've created. Uh, they hold each other accountable. They pray for each other. They laugh together, cry together, share victories, share defeats, and just uphold each other. And these are the people we call uh, missionaries to digital land. That's what we call this this world that our grandkids inhabit, digital land, the first digital natives in the history of the world. For those who have taken part in Legacy Imperative, uh, what has the response been like so far? It's been awesome. This this thing, you know, when I started this thing, I didn't know how it would go. God always gives me big visions. And so 10 million people, people said I was crazy. We could get, you know, have 500,000 people who will sign on. And ultimately, as full-time missionaries, reach five to six million young people. And as you know, from missiology, it's not, the missionaries, it's the people they train and equip that win their, their, their country for Christ. And so it's going to be our young people who will reach their own peers. And it's been a very exciting response. I didn't say also on our website, uh, legacyimperative.org, we have a plethora, we have a toolbox. And, um, and then on YouTube, you can go to our Legacy Imperative YouTube, and, and I do teachings on how to deal with the hot-button issues, LGBTQ issues, um, 
uh, all the different issues that, that, that are dividing the generations, how to talk to your kids, how to use those, listen to your kids, how to use those, what you know, to, to lead them toward Christ. And that's the ultimate end game is, you know, that the kids know Christ as their Lord and Savior. Uh, you know, we tell our grandparents, we're not culture warriors. We're not here to change the way our kids think. If Jesus gets into their heart, he will change the way they think in his time and in his way with his priorities. I'm interested to know, like, is a ministry that's trying to reach as many grandparents as possible to reach as many uh, of the younger generations as possible. How do you handle things like doctrinal differences uh, in the church then in North America? Well, we what we try to do is we, we try to stay off of those things that divide churches. We don't get into, you know, we, we try to be very broadly, even the things that really matter, uh, yeah. the, the, the supremacy of Christ, the, the scripture, uh, uh, the, the need to come to Christ for your, as your Lord and Savior. We don't get into things like baptism or church polity or, eschat- or, or the end time stuff. We, we, we stay away from that because, you know, because we're, we're going right now to Pentecostal churches, Lutheran churches, Presbyterian churches, Baptist churches, because one thing is in common. Well, whatever those denominational differences are, uh, we're, we're concerned about our kids. And, and, and our probably greatest focus as a ministry is dealing with grandparents whose kids are in the far country or on the way to what Jesus called the far country. And mm. statistically, sadly, I think we're on the, the front edge of what's happening and so that's prime. That's our primary deal, actually, is how do you deal with your kids that have been lost? You know, statistically, if you're an evangelical grandparent, 90 percent chance that one or more of your adult children have walked away from the faith they were brought up in. And two or more of your grandchildren are completely lost to the faith. And, and, and those statistics are just getting worse every year. What do you do in uh, situations where maybe your own children have walked away from faith, but then they're like, Listen, Dad. Listen, Mom. I don't want you talking to my kids about right. your faith. What do you do in those situations? Well, I just, in fact, if you, if your viewers will, will go on Friday, they'll be up. We're having a talk this week entitled uh, "Laughed at, Left Out, Locked Out." When your, when your faith isn't welcomed in your children's home, and um, what you do is, first of all, you, you realize that's part that goes with the territory. Jesus said, I'll bring father against mother, you know, against son, daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. So it goes with the territory. It's part of taking up the cross. Secondly, we're telling grandparents, don't, don't hide your faith in, in, to, you know, to go along, to get along. But thirdly, check out and see uh, maybe they're not turned off so much to Jesus as they're turned off to you and the way you present Jesus. So we talk about how to be a winsome witness for Christ. And thirdly, or fourthly, perhaps there are problems your own children, your adult children have childhood wounds from your way of presenting Christianity to them or the church, and and they're wanting to protect their kids from what they perceive to be the ugly side of Christianity. And so make sure you get those things right with your kids. And then finally, remember Christ, uh, God's hands aren't tied just because yours are. So you love your kids. You, you, you encourage them. You, you live out your faith the best you can. And you pray desperate prayers that God through his Holy spirit will bring others into your kid's life to share the faith with them. God, we are essential to our kids, mostly in loving them, because when they go into the far country, 
and the far country will do its work. It will dismantle them just like the boy in Christ's parable. When they come to their senses, they're going to they're going to think, where was I loved most? Where do I go now to find the love I didn't find in the far country? And if you have loved them growing up as grandparents, they're going to come to your house and then you'll have an opportunity. And so that's what we tell our grandparents. Don't you know, if you share the faith with your grandkids when you're told not to, you'll get one shot at that. And then your door, the door will probably be closed to you. And so just trust the Lord to bring others, but you live out your Christian life before them and love them. And when they're old enough, they'll come to you. So yeah. uh, God doesn't depend on you. I mean, he uses us as grandparents. We're really vital to our grandkids, but we're not essential to their salvation. What about those who, that you've tried everything on and, you know, you've tried to get them to listen, but they're just not willing to open up and to, to hear about faith? Well, I think I would say to grandparents, the most important thing you do is you open up and listen to them. Ask questions. We, we have a whole session that we do in our training about just asking questions. You know, Jesus only answered questions three times in the in the Bible. He usually responded to a question with a question. We come in often as Christians with a sledgehammer to do heart surgery when Jesus probed and he probed and he probed. And I tell grandparents, you, you're not responsible for saving your kids. You can't. Don't try to play Holy Spirit. You are responsible to love your kids, to listen to them, to to, to cheer them on. You know, and, and so uh, I just want always want to take the pressure off of grandparents. Uh, the pressure is not on grandparents. The pressure is <laughs> on the Holy Spirit. <laughs> you know? That's so. Just love them. You know. Yeah, I was going to say earlier, like, yeah, Jesus said in John 16, like, the Holy Spirit will come and he will convict the world of their need for a Savior. Yeah, that's not up to us. We just have to show the good news living out in us, show the the uh, fruit of the Spirit living in us, right? And then the Holy Spirit can take care of the rest quite adequately. Amen. And I love that. And I take a lot of comfort when I mess up with that verse in uh, James, uh, perfect love cast out. Our, our uh, perfect, our love covers a multitude of sins. Mm. And I'll tell you what, if you love your kids, love them unconditionally. Uh, don't be shockable. Don't be, uh, you got to be unflappable. If your kid comes, grandkid comes to you and says the kinds of things that would shock you most, or I don't believe in God anymore. Don't be shockable. Instead of getting upset, that's parents' job to get upset. Grandparents <laughs> can say, you know, I don't have to play by the rule, by the way, that my, parent, my, my adult children have to play by, which is, I'm not your friend, I'm your parent. I really can be their friend. I'm the cheerleader, not the coach. We, we make that real clear. And so if I love them and I lift up Christ in my life and they watch my marriage and they watch my life, you know, that will be quite uh, effective. Uh, but above all, love, to love them unconditionally, unreservedly, unbreakably. Uh, it's so simple, isn't it? The gospel is really quite simple. It's just yeah. hard to do it. Right. <laughs> For those who want to learn about the legacy imperative or are maybe thinking of starting something like that up here in Canada, how can we go about learning more? They can go to legacyimperative.org. Uh, they can um, 
and there they will get numbers they can call. Uh, Maureen Kirby, who's an outreach director, will be glad to talk to them. We have other people that will be glad to talk to them and um, and, and um, show them how they can start. Get us into their church uh, uh, for a weekend conference, or, or they can get a, a, a virtual summit. We have virtual summits available where, people, where they don't have to get us there. They can do it in their own schedule with the virtual stuff we have, or they can start one in their own homes. Uh, we are we are about to have the home summit where you can start a group in your home, and then you move from that to the mission training group, and then from that to sustain group, and we have all the materials, training tapes. Uh, uh, we're a complete outfit, ready to go to help people. Thank you so much for making time for us. Yeah, really glad we could uh, get a chance to hear from you and learn from you this morning. Thank you. God God bless you guys. And thank you so much for joining us and for listening today. Don't forget to subscribe. We'll talk to you again on Connections.